Thanks for listening to the Cascade Vineyard Church Podcast. To learn more about our community or the vineyard movement as a whole, feel free to visit our website, cascadevineyard.org. There you'll also find additional teachings, information on our various ministries, and other resources for further developing your faith. Our Sunday live stream starts at 10 a.m. at cascadevineyard.org stream or on Facebook at Cascade Vineyard Church. Thanks for tuning in. Vineyard. Oh my gosh, hi. So happy to be here with you. For those who don't know me, my name is Sheree Brock. I'll tell you a little bit about myself. I've been married to this hunk of hunk of man for 27 years. Um, we have four children. We have two grandchildren. And guess what? I found out yesterday Silas James will be born in November. Woo, woo. Another little grand boy. So that'll be good for grandpa to take him out fishing. So we're excited. Wow, don't you love when the weather is this gorgeous? Like, doesn't it just well up happiness in you? Just like, it's so beautiful outside. So I'm filled with joy. And I was also incredibly honored to be asked to speak with you um, this morning to come. Glenn texted me a month ago and said, hey, I'm heading out to Texas. Can you be there? And I said, yes, I would love to be here um, with you all. And he's also with our friend Sleepy Ray. So you have to give Glenn a hard time about being with Sleepy Ray down in Texas. Um, Glenn told me you guys are in the book of Ephesians. Yeah? Yeah. So the last two um, sermons I was listening to online, I kind of logged in, and that's the cool part of the pandemic, right? There's lots of bad parts, but the cool part was I was able to log on and see where you guys were at as a church. How awesome. I mean, Ephesians is a book about identity. Ephesians is a book about values and beliefs and how to, how to have longevity and maturity in Christ. So good stuff. Um, I just want to pause and say, well done, Cascade Vineyard. There's a couple things that really grip my heart from the last two sermons. You guys have faithfully served the food bank for countless years. Serving the poor in your community, well done, well done. That is so important. That is just love in action. And I just, I'm really, I just love hearing that you guys continue to serve in that capacity. The other thing that gripped me was his invitation to the Tuesday morning prayer. Wow. That has been a faithful action of laying out your hearts before the Lord. This is the good stuff. This is community. Because guys, we weren't meant to be Christians all alone in a little bubble. We were meant for community. So good job, Cascade Vineyard. A little so very, so very happy to see God thriving in you in those ways. Um, this morning, Glenn said, yeah, we've been in Ephesians, but do what you want. And I'm like, okay. Um, and because Ephesians is one of my favorite books, I'm going to be in Ephesians 5 this morning. Now, um, I typically don't do this, but I'm going to flip-flop from the message to the NIV and portions so you can get out your Bibles. I didn't type up all the scripture because there's a lot. Um, but get out your Bibles or your devices and go to Ephesians 5. Let's see. Um, one of the things, how many of you know very much about Ephesus, the city of Ephesus, who this letter was written to? Anybody know? 
So it was a super wealthy, successful Roman province, and it was the largest Roman province in Asia Minor. Where is that located today? That's what I want to care about. Turkey. Okay, that's where it's at. It was off the coast, absolutely wealthy. I mean, you can go online and Google the Temple of Artemis, libraries, just fascinating stuff. Now it's on my bucket list. I want to go to Turkey and see all the archaeological ruins because it looked really, really cool online. However, the reason why I say that is what's amazing about Ephesus is it was thriving as a port city, incredibly wealthy. I think there's, there's some threads we can see in America today. We're an incredibly wealthy nation. Are we not? Right? And so we have something in common with this. Um, the other thing, this was not a, what I would call religious community. The Temple of Artemis was a pagan god. And so you'll see later in Acts where they come to Paul and say, hey, you're, you're taking our industry. We're selling gods of Artemis and you're messing it up by getting people saved. So it's kind of an important part to know this Jewish community that Paul was in and the letter he wrote to the church there. So that's why we're in, in Ephesians. And I think it's just a important part. Um, I titled the message. Okay. I, this is a joke, really. Are you woke? I think that's the funniest thing. And my kids had to translate that for me. I'm like, woke? What are you talking about? Woke? But because the scripture we're using the, this morning, I just had to throw it in. This is not a political message. Trust me. I just thought it was hysterical. I hope you think think it's funny too. So are you woke? <laughs> That's what we're going to be talking about. Um, the scripture I want you to hear this morning, and I give it to you in a prophetic voice. Wake up, sleeper. Rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. That's what we're talking about today. Are you woke? So I'm going to pray. Lord, I pray that you would wake us up from our sleep, raise us from dead things in our life, And Lord, we pray our lives shine and reflect your love. And I pray Ephesians 3.16 over Cascade Vineyard. I pray that out of his glorious riches that he may strengthen you with power, power of the Holy Spirit through your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. All right, amen. Let's get going, okay? Ephesians 1, in the message, I'm gonna read it. Watch what God does, and then you do it. Like children who learn proper behavior from their parents, mostly what God does is love you. Keep company with him and learn a life of love. Observe how Christ loved us. His love was not cautious, but extravagant. He didn't love in order to get something from us, but to give everything of himself to us. Love like that. Boom, right? Like, boom, love like that. Hello, I could spend my whole life doing that. Could you? Could you? That is like a high call of loving God. It's a challenge that I want to spend my whole life loving God like that. Keep company with him, loving like him. What does that mean? Keep company with him. What does it mean to make room for God in your life? Right? Does it mean Sunday, church, 10 o'clock? Does it mean setting a timer for 10 minutes to spend time with the Lord, to practice solitude, to be with Jesus? I did that this week. 
I found it hard. It's hard for me to be silent. Surprise! (laughs) But it's not about the silence that's hard for me. It's about letting God speak to the inner depths of my soul. I want to be busy. I want to avoid. I want to escape sometimes. I'm going to talk more about that experience later in the message. But for now, I want to encourage you with something. Build rhythms into your life. Build rhythms of spending time with Jesus. What does that look like? It looks like inviting God into every parts of your life. When you go to work, when you get out of bed, when you're showering, when you're cleaning, doing the dishes, when you're driving in your car, when you're making love, if you're married. But God wants to be in all of those holy acts of your everyday life and to build rhythms to pay attention to his, his relationship with you. I just want to encourage you with that this morning. Make spaces for God to be with you. Engage. Verses three, four. Don't allow love to turn into lust, setting off a downhill slide into sexual promiscuity, filthy practices, or bullying greed. Though sometimes just love the taste of gossip, those who follow Jesus have better uses for language than that. Don't talk, don't talk dirty or silly. That kind of talk doesn't fit our style. Thanksgiving is our dialect. I just want to pause for a sec. And I want to say, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead. We need to define the dead things in our lives. We need to. Promiscuity, lust, greed, jealousy, gossip, talking dirty. We got to define them. Those are dead things. They put us to sleep, these things. They make us numb. They make us lose focus, not pay attention. And we need to shine the light of the Lord on these behaviors. We need to confess them. We need to hold them up to God. We don't need to justify them. Make excuses or keep them in the dark. Lying about these things will allow the enemy to keep us in bondage. And what bondage looks like is, I just want to say, some of the dead things that we allow in our life is like a handcuff. Bondage. And when you're in bondage, you have no freedom. And so the Lord would say, wake up. Wake up from your slumber. And we're going to put aside those dead things in our lives. Verse 5. You can be sure that using people or religion or things just for what you can get out of them, the usual variations on idolatry, will get you nowhere. And certainly nowhere near the kingdom of Christ, the kingdom of God. What an excellent reminder of these maladaptive behaviors. Some call it the shadow side. Some call it idolatry. Anything that is in front of God in our lives is what I'm talking about. Anything that obscures the vision of God, they will eventually lead us off the path if we don't put them in the light. Verse 6 and 7. Don't let yourselves be taken by religious smooth talk. God gets furious with people who are full of religious sales talk but want nothing to do with him. Don't even hang around people like that. Ouch. It's kind of a a strong rebuke, right? But what is he warning us to do? You see, Jesus went and healed on the Sabbath. And what did that cause? It was like a brood of vipers. (laughs) Jesus, you broke the Sabbath, our holy day. You can't heal on the Sabbath. Can you imagine Jesus? I could see him just grabbing his head like, oh gosh, you are so not smart. (laughs) 
<laughs> like just being grieved by that response by the Pharisees. Because he was saying, I'm about relationship. I'm about the people. I'm not about just laws and regulations. He broke rules about clean and unclean things. He was tired of the separation. And he came to show us a better way of living, a better way to be in relationship with the Father, a picture of God's heart for us. I just read this week, it was really a cool story, the Benedictine monks. So they had a practice, right? A lot of people don't understand that monasteries were not hermits, right? It was a collected, focused people, passionate about more of Jesus in their everyday lives. And they would often build um, a place up on a hill so they could serve their community. They were big in, in community relationship. And so they had rhythms of prayer in their everyday life. Sometimes they would use chimes, dong, the bell would ring, examines, um, corporate prayer, but they had rhythms of being in relationship with God. But one of the things I found so fascinating this week was when they fasted, they knew if a friend came in and wanted to share a meal with them, that they had to quit fasting to be in relationship with their friend. They put the person above the law. Isn't that cool? Isn't that freedom? I just thought that was a beautiful picture of this scripture. All right, verse eight. We're getting into the good stuff here. Just so you know, we're, we're heading in. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of the light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible. And everything that is illuminated becomes a light. This is why it is said. And I want you to read the next slide scripture together. So it's important practice to read things out loud. So we're going to read them together. Ready? Wake up, sleeper. Rise from the dead and Christ will shine in you. You see, God is light, and he's good, and he's righteous, and he's truth. We do need to spend time in our everyday lives finding out what pleases the Lord. My challenge to you to take it home and say, I'm going to set my timer for 10 minutes, and I'm going to spend 10 minutes of silence with God, being with God. And I'm going to find out what pleases God about myself, about my life, and what isn't pleasing? Ooh, that's not as fun, is it? But you've got to experience what he's pleased about. You have to open your whole self up to what may not be pleasing to the Lord. This scripture talks about shameful things. Right now, I rebuke shame off you in the name of Jesus. Shame is not of God not of God. And I think we as a people need to name shame because what does shame do? It keeps something hidden. Shame is like this. There's no light coming out of this candle when there's shame. In the name of Jesus, we rebuke shame. You are free. Because this morning's message is all about freedom. I want you to put everything in your life visible before the Lord. I don't want you to be, the other thing that shame does is it steals. It steals your joy. It is your joy stealer. And I want you all to experience this abundant life in Christ. 
And that means coming fully into the light. I love the last worship song we did. It's talking about all of me, God, all of me. This takes courage. I'm not going to lie to you. Being fully visible before the Lord takes courage and you can't do it alone. That's why God gave his community. We need one another. Wake up, sleeper. Um, at the closing, I want to share, I got a couple of um, words in worship, which doesn't happen all the time. Um, but the first one I'll share, and the first song hit, all of a sudden, it was like my heart started to flutter, and I knew we were on holy ground. And I just was like, Whoo. the Holy Spirit was present with us, and it was holy ground. And then he gave me a couple words, and I'll, I'll share those at the end. But now we're going to shift to um, verse 15 through 20, and I'm going to go back to the NIV. So if that's helpful, um, he has freedom for you this morning. Verse 15, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. We all want to live wise, right? Raise your hand. I want to be a wise person. Your choices matter. We all have the same choices. We can choose to develop a rule of life, which is a way of life. One author calls it a trellis. It's how you grow. We can choose that. Or we can choose to binge out on Netflix. What's going to produce good fruit? You can also choose to stand up to the person being bullied at work or at the grocery store. Or you can stay silent. My prayer is that you would choose rhythms of grace. And that looks like rest, Sabbath. Sabbath keeping is not a law of a pharisaical nature. It is for your freedom and joy. Practice of worship. Worship can happen every day, guys. Just turn on Pandora Bethel. That's what I do. <laughs> Silence. You can get up early. Set 10 minutes aside to be with the Lord. What I'm saying is you can be intentional about your time. It doesn't have to be fleeting. It doesn't have to just go away. I don't know if many of you know, but Ephesians and the book of Colossians are very similar books. They really don't know which one came first because they're so similar in their nature. And Colossians 4 or 5 says, be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. When we're back into Ephesians verse 16, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. What does that mean? Making the most of every opportunity. Here's what I think it means. If your coworker is sick and they're like, oh, I'm really sick. I hurt today. Is it okay if I pray for you? That's making the most of every opportunity. What about your friend that's like just going through it? Really hard time. It means you text them and say, hey, you want to come over and hang out and have dinner? Those are making most of those opportunities. You see, we all have a set number of days. I don't know my number of days. I don't know yours, but there's a set number of days. It's finite. We all have 60 seconds, 24 hours, 365 days, but we have the choice. And I just want to encourage you to choose, choose wisely, like the scripture says. Verse 17, therefore, do not be foolish. 
but understand what the Lord's will is. Okay, have you ever been in a situation where you're like, Lord, speak to me, speak to me. I need to hear from you, God. One time I was desperate. I'm not kidding you. I was like, I was like, Lord, I need you to write it in the skies. I need a sign from heaven. No joke. One of my kids who has never texted me a verse, literally five minutes later, texted me a verse of scripture. And I was like, oh my gosh, it was a sign. But there's a point of us desiring God's will and feeling like we can't find it or see it. So I just want to tell you what I do. It's helpful. One of my favorite prayers is the Lord's prayer. Not my will, but your will be done. Because what I'm doing is I'm shifting my heart to align with God's, not Sheree's will, because Sheree has a strong will. Surprise. But I want it submitted. I want God's heart. And I'm practicing those rhythms to say, not my will, God, but your will. Even if it costs me something, God, not my will, your will be done. That's my prayer. Another thing I do, and that's because I'm older and I can wear grandma's shoes, just so you know. My daughter is teasing me about my shoes. Anyways, um, I wait. If I'm filled with emotion, I'm not reacting like I used to. I want to respond. Does it ever really go well if you react? Not usually. So when we wait, we notice. That's the invitation from the Lord. We notice that we're filled with emotion. We notice when we're really mad. We don't deny we're mad. We notice when we're sick, right? We don't say, I'm not sick in Jesus' name. I got a fever. You got a fever, right? But you notice. You notice what's going on, and then you wait, and you say, God, I want you in front of these emotions. The emotions are a gift from the Lord, but they're submitted unto God. So you pause and you don't react. Those are ways of finding God's will. Oh, here's the big one. Verse 18. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay, this is where I'm going to be super honest, super vulnerable. But I felt the Lord uh, gave me the courage to share this with you this morning. You see, in my time of solitude this week, I um, pressed in to the stuff that's not pleasing to God. And so I'm going to share my journey. You see, COVID forced me to slow down, which I absolutely loved. I stopped running my kids to practice. I stopped running to church three times a week. I stopped all those things, going out to dinner. I was home. That was good. And then I would have a glass of wine. Oh, that's good. I'm not driving. Oh, if I'm not driving, I could have another glass of wine. Because before, I never could do that. I'll just have another glass of wine. Well, you see, the thing about COVID, it wasn't a month long. It was a long year. And I developed a habit of opening a bottle of wine, having a glass, and then the second. And I heard the Lord, Sheree, hey, Sheree. Did you notice you were drinking again? Uh-huh, Lord, I noticed. That's, that was my response. Mm-hmm. Hey, Sheree, did you notice what you were modeling to your kids? Oh, yeah, Lord, I'm good. I'm good. I'm mourning, Lord. I'm in mourning. Hey, Sheree, I'm concerned you're turning to wine instead of me. They were very gentle nudges, very gentle but I was paying attention. I was even telling other people, 
you know, God's talking to me about my drink and ha ha ha, you want some bottle of wine with me? <laughs> He's talking to me about, I'm just, you know, my whole life is with the Lord. So I'm, you know, I'm just in relationship with the Lord because I didn't want to cover it. I didn't want it to deny it was happening. So I was willing to talk about it. It's a little uncomfortable though. I'm just going to be honest. It's a little uncomfortable, but I was paying attention. Finally, I was grieving deep in my soul and really didn't have a clue where it was coming from. So I made an appointment with a spiritual director. Highly recommend that if you've never done that. Newberg is filled with spiritual directors because of George Fox. So um, just look them up. I highly recommend that. I sat with her and I started telling her this conversation I was having with the Lord about drinking. And she stopped me and she goes, that's so good. You're paying attention. And it was like, she could have said, are you woke? Everything in my spirit went like this. Oh, the Lord speaking. It no longer was, yeah, yeah, God, I'm doing this. It was like the Lord said, enough. And the next morning, bye-bye wine. I was sad about that a little bit. You see, my husband and I, we have a beach house. And there's a sunset and there's a fireplace and there's a glass of wine. And the Lord said, yeah, let's, let's do this season without it. So that's where I was. It's been a season. So I'm in my quiet time, my time of solitude. And I was, I was holding this. And I, I thought, okay, Lord, I'm going to meet you with this. And I, I, and I pictured myself handing this to the Lord. Lord, here's the wine. Here's the drinking. And the Lord, I just felt him just lovingly go, oh, that's good. But I want all of you. See, with me doing this, I'm still in control what I give him. I'm saying, oh, here, have this part of me. And the Lord is saying, yeah, I want all of you. And I think for me, I had to pay attention to why I was numbing, why I was relaxing, why I was checking out. And I had to own it, like say, oh my gosh, I'm drinking wine every night. I have never done that in my entire life. And I'm sharing this with you because the Lord told me, the Lord told me just simply, but there's something to be learned. It doesn't have to be drinking guys. It can be anything that you're putting above, above God, anything you go to comfort. It could be Netflix. It could be social media. It could be bad things on the internet that you're doing in the secret. It could be exercise. It can be overworking. It can be um, not spending time with the Lord. So I don't bring this up to, there's no shame in alcohol, guys. Alcohol is not the issue. It's when you take something in your life and it becomes greater than the love you have for God. That's it. That's simple and not hard. I never intended a practice of opening a bottle of wine to become a habit. I didn't set out with that as a goal. But that's what happens when you practice something. So I'm here to say this morning, practice the good stuff. Pay attention when you don't want to lean into the Lord. Because guess what? We all have our stuff. If we all sat here in a little circle and said, okay, name the thing you're struggling with, every person has something. You're not alone in that. But the enemy would like to come along and go, oh, don't say that. They're church people. They don't want to hear that. And I say, 
Jesus says, I already see it. I already know you. I'm going to set you on fire for my glory. Because the freedom that I have, not drinking, it's been several, several months now, is like, oh my gosh, there's freedom, there's joy, there's presence in my life. I'm aware. I'm awake. I've woken up. And so this message is not condemnation. It's of utmost encouragement to wake up from your slumber. Wake up to the things in your life that aren't breathing life on you. I think we can all agree that we've all experienced something like that. Is that true? Join in. Come on. I need a louder response. Yes. Cherie, there's things that I put before God. It's all of us. And there's no shame in that. If you have struggled with shame, there's a book I want to recommend to you. It's um, by Thompson. It's called The Soul of Shame. I highly recommend it. Shame is an evil force. And I think we need to stand against it as a church. Um, but look into that if that's something you've struggled with. I, uh, I want you to know God the Father is gentle. He's kind. He doesn't come in. He doesn't, he gives you an invitation, an invitation. The knocking will get louder. I'm just, because he loves you, because he pursues you. It's for freedom. And the last verse in our Ephesians, which I love, is speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of Jesus Christ. That's a practice. I love the way the message said it, the dialect of thanksgiving. So how do you have rhythms of thanksgiving? You know, remember that season, it was probably 10 years ago and everybody had a gratitude journal. Did any of you do it? Raise your hand if any of you did the gratitude journal. Yeah. That's part of like an exam and practice. You could lay at the end of the day and say, what am I grateful for, God? What am I living into your gratitude? I am so thankful that God is reminding me that all that I am is in Christ. And I thank him this morning for his gentle invitation. I thank him for the courage to be very vulnerable and transparent for you. One of the things that I love about the vineyard, and I think Glenn does such a great job of developing a culture of everybody gets to play. And that means, you guys, there's, there's no hierarchy. That's what I love about the vineyard. This person may have a prophetic gift. This person may have a hospitality gift. This person might have a servant gift. But there's no hierarchy. The pay is the same, right? And we need to discover and live into our God-given gifts and strengths. But we need to respond to the Lord and pull those things out of our lives that put us to sleep. So as, as I um, finish with this verse, wake up sleeper, rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. As I leave you with that, that's a prophetic word to you. Wake up, wake up, rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks again for listening. If you'd like to sow into what God is doing through Casket Vineyard, we always welcome your prayers for our church body, our communities, and our leadership. If you'd like to contribute financially, please visit cascadevineyard.org give. We'll see you next week.